0: I got some listener feedback from, you know, my husband. Um, mm,
1: the, from the listener. The li-
0: <laughs> well, we've got more downloads than that, and I know he just listens once, I think. <laughs> so, I mean, somebody else is out there.
1: Um. You are listening to Priority, a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled Listener of the Year 2006, and it's the first in our two-part series examining the book Quiet by Susan Cain. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash um, oh. 29. Do you care who introduces the topic? How about you go for it? Okay. That seems that seems fitting seeing as as stated I'm the angry introvert here <laughs> uh, So we are talking today about a book by Susan Kane uh, which is a, a, I would say a favorite of mine. We'll talk about um, some nuance to how and how much and and why it is my favorite but uh, we will we'll uh, I'll, call it a favorite. Um, it is a book about introversion and extroversion. And it is called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World that Can't Stop Talking. Um, And uh, as, as one might gather from the title, this is not a book arguing for additional extroversion in our culture. Um, hmm? The copyright of the text is 2012. I I seem to remember it coming out earlier than that, but I know I didn't read it until 2012, so that's probably accurate. Um,
0: <laughs> yes, the information on the copyright page may or may not be accurate.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, who knows? You know, lawyers lawyers just make stuff up all the time. It's, <laughs> yeah, but anyhow, um, I do know I do know conversations about the contents of this book and Susan Kane and her work um, probably predate that in in my awareness by at least a couple years. But one of the reasons I want to talk about this book. Um, aside the, from the fact that I am an introvert and I want everyone to know that, and I'm really, really angry um, if they don't understand what that means <laughs> or if they make assumptions <laughs> based on that that are faulty, uh, is also because I think this book in particular was a big, a big cultural touchstone for these topics. That this was uh, the, the, the um, where a lot of these conversations intersected and where a lot of them began for a lot of people. Um, in the last few years. So, Quiet mm-hmm. by Susan kane
0: I was making Quiet. Oh, good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, we
1: can... Yeah. We, I'm sorry, we can cut this question out, but I was going to say, um, should we mention that you are doing a class around these topics?
0: Sure, certainly can. Um, I also read the book, um, I think shortly after it came out, um... And very much enjoyed it, and I've since uh, reread sections and have listened to the audiobook several times. And in the fall, actually, well, I, I need to stop saying in the fall. We're we're pr- we're practically here. Um, <laughs> I start class in a week. Uh, I'm I'm teaching a multidisciplinary uh, first year seminar uh, with the topic of silence, and Quiet is one of the texts that I'm going to be using. Uh, And it's certainly one of the things that got me thinking about quietness and and silence um, as topics that led me to create the course itself. So, of course, I had to include quiet in there, and hopefully some of my motivations as well will become clear as we talk. Um, (laughs) Indeed. Yeah, when you were talking about it being a cultural touchstone, I almost had to laugh because... I've recommended this book to so many people, and it's been relevant in so many conversations, especially with educators. Mm-hmm. That in my head, I want to say, uh, Yeah, Max, because I made it that way. <laughs> like, so we're doing that right now. You're like, selling we're books, the is what stone. you're saying. <laughs> we make touchdowns. So <laughs> that's what we do here.
1: Yeah. Um there's a, there's a lot to, to talk about here um, in terms of what is in the book and um, how we react to the book and, and what the book, you know, whether its arguments hold water or not. But I, I thought one way we could start um, to sort of dive into the content and also sort of orient the listener about um, our relative positions. I've already alluded to mine, but uh, early in the text, um, in I believe the first chapter, there is a short um, informal quiz uh, this is not a psychological instrument, as, as Susan Kane uh, takes pains to point out, but she has been doing you know, research and, and coaching and consulting um, with introversion and extroversion as a major topic for many years. And, and I, I think, at least from what I have seen of, of other personality batteries, I think this is, you know, it's a good starting point, at least, in mm-hmm. talking about introversion and extroversion. So do you want to walk through the quiz and we can compare our answers and our final sure. scores?
0: Yes, um, and my, my darling partner in life has also allowed me to share some of his responses, too. Oh, outstanding. Um, yeah, because he's sort of my, uh, <laughs> my real-life example for some of the things that Kane talks about throughout the book. <laughs> um, so I might, I might bring up Billy, too, sure. as we're talking, sure, because he's fun. been gracious enough to let me All right. uh, <laughs> yeah. analyze him on the air.
1: All right, you want to kick us off?
0: Yeah. So, and again, I just want to emphasize um, the note is sort of vague on this quiz. Like you said, like Max said, um, it is informal, it's not scientifically validated. Um, <laughs> but it seems as if Kane and some of the people who helped her write this book um, created it based on all of the different ways she used to look at introversion and extroversion. Um, because it's definitely reflective of stuff that comes up in the chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, so, all right, number one, our first item of 20, um, I prefer one-on-one conversations to group activities. True. Uh, (laughs) I put true as well. Um, That goes for me too. Um, I often prefer to express myself in writing. Also true. I put false,
1: Mm.
0: Um, which is funny because I write often and I teach (laughs) writing and... (laughs) I uh, proclaim to be a professional. Mm -hmm. Some of these, um, and I was talking to Billy about this too, I sort of waffled Mm -hmm. slash it really depends on what context I'm thinking about when I answer the question. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So for that one, I tried to to think of what the core of the question was asking. Mm -hmm. Um, And on that one, it was a little easier because... I identify very strongly that I think best mm-hmm. um, out loud.
1: Yeah. One, one unscientific thing in that question in particular is the use of the word often. Um, because it's, it's true or false and it's not asking about most of the time. So what, mm-hmm. what constitutes often? Um, if yeah. I feel like I need to express something in writing once a day, that's fairly often compared to a lot of activities. But I might feel like I have 40 other thoughts I need to talk to somebody about out loud.
2: Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so
1: I could still be saying true on that and still be far preferring other modes Mm -hmm. of communication. Uh, Yeah. But again, I I think in the spirit of the question, at least I, I take as being, you know, (laughs) over other types of communication more often than not. So Mm -hmm. anyhow, again, true for Mm -hmm.
0: me. For sure. Um, number three, I enjoy solitude. Big true. Yeah. I put true as well. Um, and again, this could be wording on the question. Mm -hmm. If it were asking me to weigh solitude and company, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I might say company. Yeah, um, yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah,
1: this one I think it's a little bit better that um, it is not worded so so precisely. Just because I do think I do think at least the way she defines introversion and extroversion, there is something in extroversion that will tends to not like solitude. Mm-hmm. So I think it's okay that it is not in comparison or in as a percentage of my time.
2: Mm-hmm. here but
1: yeah it's still it is still in that kind of waffly you know it's not a very precise question
0: mhm no i hear you and that definitely comes up later um she talks about that pretty explicitly um discomfort with uh being alone mm-hmm. um among extroverts for sure
1: yeah
0: um i seem to care less than my peers about wealth fame and status
1: uh this one is my first false
2: mhm
0: Okay. It was a false for me too. Um, <laughs> it's going to sound very vain, but maybe it's just because I'm a little more self-aware about this particular one. Um, but yeah, this was one of the easy ones for me. And not because I, I necessarily think of myself um, or think that I am um, a vain or shallow person, as some people might read in that question.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But for me... And especially because I've I've been through this material so much, I was thinking about things like, um, being a reward seeker or being, um, sort of satisfied by external rewards. Mm -hmm. Um, so I knew again that in the spirit of that question, like that's definitely true for me. Um, you know, and more in a competitive way than in a (laughs) shallow summer housewife person (laughs) way. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Was it an easier one for you?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just, yeah, there's no question. I am, I am interested. I I don't think I am interested to a fault in wealth, fame or status, but (laughs) I would be lying to say I did not like all of those things to some Mm -hmm. extent. Um, Mm -hmm. I, yeah. And I, I don't really, I don't know a lot of people who are, um, I, I probably know people who are more into all those things than me, but I don't, I don't know, um, a whole heck of a lot of people who are more into those things than me. <laughs> uh, somebody who spends as much time on Twitter as I do and, and who <laughs> checks the stats for this podcast as often as I do could not say that he is not particularly into mm-hmm. fame or status. There you go. Yeah.
0: There you go. Yeah. Uh, number five is I dislike small talk, but I enjoy talking in depth about topics that matter to me. True. I also put true. Um you know, and well, and you know what's funny. I almost wish I did have my answers from the first time I read this book,
2: um,
0: because personality does shift over time. Mm-hmm. Even though, as Kane suggests, there are biological things that that drive some of these traits in people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but a good chunk of them also are sort of shaped by sure. experience. Um, sure.
1: Well, and even even the bits of personality that we can assume or do assume. Don't shift much over time. Um, the way they are manifested in the world will shift, and um, very famously, the way that they will show up in things like this in in external measures does shift over time. It's one of my my many complaints about Myers Briggs, um, not just mine. I should <laughs> put myself forward as like the leading critic of it, but um, one of the big complaints of it about it in the scientific community, um, which is actually a somewhat a sin of this book in a lot of ways, is the the fact that everything is so binary rather than a, mm-hmm. a series of spectrums and that people will actually tend with fair regularity I'll link to some stats in uh I'll link to some stats online uh, in the show notes for this episode if anybody's curious but people will flip-flop on their Myers-Briggs categories depending on when you know what time of day they take it what else is going on in their life um the stability oh, sure. of your Myers-Briggs profile you know say you take it every 2 months for a year you're going to be all over the map mhm um, generally. So it's, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, we actually shift in our personality and also the extent to which we can measure, um, is not always very stable mm-hmm. either. Yeah. 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 First, for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, do you have more to say on that one or shall I read a few?
0: Sure. Let's head on.
1: All right. Uh, number six, people tell me I am a good listener.
0: <laughs> Did you put true?
1: Uh, I actually put false. I was going to let you answer first. first right? <laughs>
0: oh, okay. Sure. We can flip <laughs> for that. Um, I was trying to be a good listener, but no, uh, alas, this was one of the easier ones for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, of all the, and I think we all have sort of those those stock personality things that we've been told for years and years and years, you know, mm-hmm. from the from the time we're small children. And maybe you got this. It's something Kane points out. The idea like, oh, so-and-so is just shy. So-and-so
1: is so quiet. Mm
0: oh, quit being so shy, Max, you know. And I don't know if that was something
1: you ever got. Yeah, not that um, I can remember. Um, mm-hmm. Plenty of other critiques, but...
0: Oh. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> but that's for another book, another day, yeah. right? Um, no, and on this one, I that was a clear cut. It's like, no, I can't think of a single <laughs> time I've been told that. and And, yeah...
1: Yeah, I, now I'm I actually, very self conscious, and I need to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I have been told that, but I think I, I, I interpreted this one with a bit of a statistical bent and said, okay, but how often <laughs> have I been told that? By mm-hmm. how many people? How recently? What's the most recent example I can think of where somebody has said that? And the most recent specific one that I could actually recall was like in 2006. So. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, Mm. as much as I want to make this one a waffly one and say, "Eh, maybe, no, people really don't.
0: Mmm. Listener of the year, 2006.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, number seven, I'm not a big risk taker. True for me. True for me as well.
0: Yeah. Um, this might be a meta line that you can cut out, (laughs) um. Do you care if we jump into specific topics as we're walking through? No, no. Um, I think as, long as, okay, we, as okay. long as
1: we keep walking through, I think we're fine. Yeah, yeah. no, which I think yeah, we're
0: um, cool. Um, wander away. I'm picturing myself strolling down a promenade. Um, yeah the the idea with risk taking, something that Kane talks about is that um, in one of her later chapter chapters, uh, maybe chapter seven or so, she's talking about how. Big risks in contexts like business um, or the stock market in particular can be linked to people who have high reward sensitivity, Mm -hmm. people who respond more positively. They get more dopamine pumping in their brains in response to rewards um, that might explain why, for instance, an extroverted person might be more likely to take a big risk in the stock market, to invest a bigger sum of money on a more risky gamble than an introverted person would. Um, it's not necessarily, I think that one of those people can see reality more clearly. Um, maybe it's that both can see it perfectly fine, but (laughs) the reward sensitive person, their view is colored by the idea of the pleasure that could come if they win. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, so on that one, I was thinking about how, um, based on my score, um, I would probably take more risks than, say, my husband, who scores as more introverted than me. Um, but not necessarily because I, I can't understand <laughs> his logic. Right. Um, but maybe because I get more excited, like, physically, like, physiologically more excited about the idea of the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, that again, that was especially going back through the book and coming back to this quiz. I was thinking about that yeah. with that question. Yeah, I am. Um,
1: I actually, uh, when we got to the reward sensitivity, I feel like I can see a lot of myself in that that component of extroversion um, hmm. and in the reward-sensitive side of things. But I don't feel that that manifests itself in me as being a big risk-taker, um, particularly yeah, just yeah. stated in the abstract. Like, I think skateboards and motorcycles are dumb, you know? Oh, uh, I'm not. Right. I'm not into a lot of... And, and for that matter, like, you know, day trading does not appeal to me as a possible career choice. <laughs> um, it, gambling is not, is not fun to me, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think overall I've got to say false on that. Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, number eight, I enjoy work that allows me to dive in with few interruptions
0: i love being interrupted (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just kidding i so put true um
1: (laughs) yeah i put true as well i kind of wanted to i had somebody who um i was i was crowing about how a few episodes ago we uh we were well i in particular was bashing on open office so hard um i was crowing about that on twitter and like a a a woman started an argument with me about it um, oh she liked open office and i should send her this and say so you enjoy being interrupted all the time is that, is that what you like?
0: I, but I mean, maybe she does. Maybe she scores so extroverted that to her, that is productive. Yeah, that's true. That's social true. connect. Possible. I don't know. I mean,
1: somebody, I somebody know. put false on this, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> Not us. Yeah.
1: I, I will say too that I'm reminded of that, um, a book by, I'm forgetting the author right now, but the book is called The Organized, uh, Executive and, or excuse <laughs> me, Organized for Success, mm-hmm. um the The woman who wrote it is. Uh, also wrote a book called The Organized Executive, but the book I'm thinking of is called Organized for Success, um, and I'll put it in show notes. One of the things she points out in that book, it's based largely on interviews and research done with CEOs about how they work, and she finds very often that they characterize interruptions extremely differently from how most managers or line workers would. Where um, you know they don't they don't think of interruptions as interruptions so much as just being the work that they do. Um, so Whoa, I mean it is, I could okay it is entirely yeah. possible for people to like being interrupted all the time as much fun as I poke at people who who think that's okay like no mm-hmm. that's that is that is a point of view
2: hmm
1: uh, and yeah. some some people who are demonstrably more successful than I am <laughs> <Hold on>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it sounds like it's because uh interruptions matter if they are closer to the nature of your work
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I mean, I don't think this is, Yeah, I, even having just said that, I was just giving a counterpoint to myself that it's, you know, not a, I don't think it's universal, but yeah.
0: No, no. And I think you're right in pointing out that, yeah, like you said, it's not true for everyone.
1: Yeah. True um, for me though.
0: Because they're, for sure. <laughs> and, um, and, and I think it's fair to say for a lot of people. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I, mm-hmm. so you said true as well? Yes. Okay. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Especially because of the wording of that question, yeah. um, yeah. Again, I know it's informal, um, but I wonder I would like to see multiple versions of the same question on here, and I'd like to take it a few times <laughs> to sort of norm my answers because um, I would be curious. Um, and I will tell you, and we'll we'll get there um, in our walkthrough, <laughs> I would like to see different versions of the same question on here to see if the wording would change my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also did have the idea of, <laughs> um, so I I took this quiz a week ago, mm-hmm. and I took it again about an hour ago,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and at least one question changed. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Yeah, so I, I do think it'd be interesting, like you were mentioning with Myers Briggs, um, to see how many of these questions in particular feel contextual. Mm-hmm. You know, right?
1: Yeah, I um, um I don't know. I, it may I, I'm colored. In my thinking, by the um, the fact that I'm looking at my answers, but certainly I have not come across anywhere I'm like mm, I would change that. <laughs> mm. But I do wonder if I were not looking at my answers and I were answering, fun sure. it would it stay the same? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine, I like to celebrate birthdays on a small scale with only one or two close friends or family members.
0: <sighs> and see, this was a contextual one, or. <sighs> I guess more so with the wording of it. Uh, I put false, and I put false both times I took it. Um, But that may just be the detail of the word birthday. (laughs) (laughs) It is a very specific question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I have a, I don't know, part of my uh, idiosyncrasy is about my life. Um, I don't know. I feel very strongly about my holidays, Mm -hmm. so... Um, If I were to celebrate my birthday with an actual occasion, an event, um, it would be more than one or two extra people. It'd probably be a slightly bigger group. I would use it as an excuse um, to see more people.
1: What did Um, you say? I said that this one is true because um, my <laughs> holidays are also very important to me. I have strong feelings about them, and my feelings are mostly that I want them to leave me alone. Um, <laughs> Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So I said I did. I definitely said true on this. Now I've I've had big big birthday parties and certainly big holiday. I mean, you know, when we're all together for Christmas, even just our immediate family that we grew up in, plus spouses, it's still a pretty good sized group at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know. It's not like I um I am I am completely against anything more than a couple of people, but yeah, I I did put true. i especially thinking about birthdays per se, I'd, sure. I'd rather do that small scale.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, number 10. People describe me as soft spoken or mellow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> On this one, <laughs> it was pretty easy. I had to put false. Um As an example, one of our – you've probably heard this at some point – one of the go-to sort of descriptive stories of my childhood that um, our parents like to remember is that my first kindergarten report card, um, the comments section said something to the effect of, Caitlin can be very bossy at times. (laughs) So yeah, I had mm-hmm. to put false. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Um, I put I put true on this, but this one I did mark. Uh, like you've you've mentioned some of the waffle on. I marked a mm-hmm. few of these as ambiguous or, um, you know, uh, true with an asterisk. And this one is definitely true with an asterisk um, mm-hmm. because I think there are an awful lot of people who would not describe me that way. Um, but I I feel like if I if I really <laughs> think through everyone I know now and have known recently. I think the balance would go that way, um, sure. And I think the only way we get to um, the only way we get to a group of people who uh, would would over you know the majority of whom would say, N- no, he's not soft spoken or mellow." Would be if we counted everybody uh, who had attended or staffed the leadership seminars that you and I used to volunteer with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which I did for sixteen years, uh, but that was four days a year that people were seeing me.
2: Um, mm-hmm. Many
1: of those people I would never see again either, so I, <laughs> I don't think they would. <laughs> their read on me is not probably completely, mm-hmm. you know, appropriate in my in my day to day life, especially the last few years. I think the you know would probably be at least two to one saying, "Oh yeah, he's he's pretty mellow." Mm-hmm. So no, yeah, no. and that
0: doesn't true <laughs> with the bullet. Um, and that's something that Kane talks about too. Is that um, a lot of introverts because our culture in the U S is so overwhelmingly extroverted and rewards extroversion, especially in, in, uh, leadership settings, um, in places like education and business. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of introverts have found ways to cope with the pressures of having to, uh, speak for their work in front of crowds and things like that. Um, or to rise to occasions like, um, (laughs) revving up a group of high school students for a leadership
1: seminar in this case. Yeah. which Yeah. Which I have done
0: hmm Yeah, so this book definitely gives context to that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to take over reading for the next few?
0: You betcha. Uh, so number 11, I prefer not to show or discuss my work with others until it's finished.
1: True, 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 true. <laughs> I've talked about this on this podcast before. Um, yes. I'll, it, I'll it, also it. say, I think I would put it, I would make an addendum on here. If we go with the letter and not the spirit of the question, I might actually have to say False. But I definitely very strongly do not want anybody to even know that I'm working on something until I'm ready for them to know and and yeah. don't want to share, you know, even a draft that's meant to be shared and commented on and edited. I don't want to share that until I'm ready to share that.
0: Mm-hmm. And this one was tricky, um, especially when I think of my professional self. Um, I feel like I can't answer true, even though it feels a little true Mm -hmm. Um, because I I teach writing and I'm a writer (laughs) Um, and I'm all about process. I'm always harping on it Mm -hmm. with my students. Um, And it's true. Like I, I so value feedback. Um, Yeah. But (laughs) I, there are certain uh, expectations and, and benchmarks that I set for myself that before I'm ready for feedback, I want to meet,
2: mm-hmm.
1: for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's where I'm. I'm maybe being a little cheaty in my interpretation because I'm thinking of it in terms of you know there. There's certainly things I need and want feedback on, but like the draft that I give somebody to get feedback on, it's going to be finished enough before. <laughs> submit it to anybody to get the feedback you know Mm -hmm. like i'm i'm defining finished as being ready for somebody to see not necessarily finished. like this product is done and the process is over but but yeah i very strongly i mean there's you know um I've mm-hmm. I've started massive projects without telling anybody until they were pretty far along.
0: <laughs> you did that to me. That's true. <laughs> and not that you have to tell me, but I'm just Indeed. giggling. That like, no, no, no. Like I are, you, are you thinking I about I my
1: big writing project right now?
0: Yes, you dork.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did that to Courtney too. I was ten thousand words oh in before God. I said anything.
0: <laughs> and again, not that you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, like, why Why should you have to answer a certain way on any of these things? Mm-hmm. Um, some things seem more culturally acceptable, but why? Yeah. Why?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. No, so I hear you. I hear you. Um, yeah. No, and I'm similar, and I – because even in an example like writing, let's say for a, a class that I'm in, um, an outline is due this certain day, and then a first draft is due this certain day um, – even though that's still in the process and it's supposed to be messy, I'm still very concerned about what a step is supposed to look mm-hmm. like. So to me, that's how I would answer true on that one. Yeah. If my if my outline wasn't ready, I'm not comfortable. If my first draft was not a first draft, I'm not comfortable. Sure. Um. So yeah, yeah that's, that's a tricky one.
1: Uh, before we go into number twelve, I I have I have a suggestion, um, <laughs> a game to play with the remainder of the quiz. Oh my god! (laughs) I only, I only have uh, across the last ten questions. I only have one false.
2: Uh, You want to try
1: and guess which one it is as we go?
0: Um, hang on. I (laughs) want, I want to look real quick. Hang on, because see, here's the competitive part. I want to get this right. (laughs) Um, yeah, you only had one false. Um, yeah, I have a guess. Okay. Wait no, I didn't look at the second. There's another page. Hang on, listeners. <laughs> um, you just get patient and quiet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You only had one false.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I think I'll stick with my guess, and I have a couple hedgy guesses. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to be right. Sure. Um. Okay. So you just want to go yeah, question well, by question, just go so and then you can you can guess. Yes, right. yes, yes, yes. Uh, item twelve. I dislike conflict. True. I put false on this one, um, not because I enjoy conflict necessarily, um, eh, but sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. What were you thinking of when you read it?
1: Uh, I just, I I do have a general distaste for conflict. Um, I can, you know, when we're in public, if somebody does something um, rude or untoward or, you know, someone is trying to pull one over and, and one me or more than just me, you know, if it's a party, a group of us need to assert like, no, that's not the way this is going to go. I can do all that. I really don't like to. Mm.
2: Um,
1: I am not afraid to. I will not not do it. But... You know, my instinct is always to read the situation and let it play out as far as it can before the opportunity to, to, to you know, have conflict is is taken. You know, I want to mm-hmm. make sure it's really going to be necessary because I don't like it Um Mm-hmm. I find it draining. I find it wasteful. And particularly, like, among friends and colleagues, like, I think disagreement is fine. I have no problem with disagreement. I like a good disagreement. Um, mm-hmm. But conflict, I find extremely draining and wasteful a lot of the time. So, and I mean, you can ask Courtney about this. I, I You know, we will disagree. We will debate. Um, but we we don't fight, really, hardly at all.
0: Yeah, and I – so I wonder if that depends on definitions because I was reading conflict as – Um, challenge or disagreement. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think in light something softer than maybe what the word conflict Mm -hmm. suggests.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I to me, there's there's a there's an emotionality to the idea of conflict that you know if you and I are discussing, you know, if we disagree about what um something about what how the show should go you know what we're going to do for a certain topic or or a title or something um there's a huge range of disagreement and debate and even argumentation that i think would not rise to the level of conflict because it's it's you know it's about the ideas and we're working within the confines of a friendly relationship and we are not we are not in conflict Mm -hmm. Um, there is nothing emotional on the line. It's just, it's just a point of disagreement that we're working out. Um, Mm -hmm. to me, it rises to conflict when there is, there's an emotional, an emotionality to the disagreement, you know, aside from just how we feel about, I want this thing, you know, and you feel that you want that thing. There is an emotionality of that difference, um, and the way we're working through it. You know, mm-hmm. we're mad beyond just the idea that we're not going to get our way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we're we're also huh. mad about the way we're going about it, or or if not mad, you know, we are emotional, mm-hmm. we are intense, we are arguing with passion. Um, we are, I don't know, hmm. it, it the 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 thing itself, the conflict itself. I mean, conflict conflict to me has it has a weight, has a mass, an emotional mass that mm-hmm. mere disagreement and again, even argumentation does not.
0: Hmm. See, it's interesting. And maybe that's related to introversion. I'd Mm -hmm. have to think about that. Um, because for me, um, I think especially when we're talking about logic and argumentation, um, emotions get short shrift. Mm -hmm. They, there's a negative bias against the role of emotion in argumentation. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, I'm thinking of spirited conversations even at, at parties or small friend gatherings where um, two of us might be in a mood and we sort of passionately go at a topic and we know that we're directly challenging people on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of a friend that, you know, sometimes we've gone back and forth. Um, but because we know that where, we know where the stakes of the conversation are and, um, that we know even the emotion or passion we hear is still in the good spirit of the conversation.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, whereas maybe that's harder to separate for someone, um, who is more introverted Mm -hmm. or distinctly, um, shy or anxious. Yeah.
1: Well, Um, and I I think it, I think there too, though, I mean, you can, you, even when you are putting emotion into the argument, um, you said you know where the stakes are, and, and presumably mm-hmm. there aren't any in terms of the relationship. I mean, until one of you says something really horrible to the other, at least. Um, <laughs> as long as you stick to the topic, though, you know, even with some passion, um, it's does does are you in conflict though? Like, are you are mm-hmm. you, you know, are there stakes beyond just whatever the point being discussed is? Um, and if there aren't, that doesn't really feel like conflict to me a lot of the time. Um, yeah you yeah know, it's it, mm-hmm. if 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 there's people milling about this is one of my eternal pet peeves. people who aren't in line but who are waiting um nothing pisses me off more than a person who can't be bothered to go stand behind the person who is ahead of them and in front of the people who are behind them in the order to be served. I find that <laughs> offensive um, what do you
0: what do you mean what do they do uh
1: like say you're say you're at the bank and there's a Kay. there's a single queue and then like whichever teller window is opens up next, you know whoever's next in line goes to it. And there's uh-huh. one person standing sort of at the podium, you know, where the queue is supposed to form, and there's mm-hmm. somebody else, like, way off to the side, kind of looking at their phone, but also very obviously looking at the queue and looking at the tellers, and there's someone else way off to the other side, like, you know, no, stand in line. If you're not in line, mm-hmm. you're not in line.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it pisses mm-hmm. me off. And it pisses me off when people are standing like that and they get huffy or say something when someone else gets into line. It's like, no, mm-hmm. get in line. Anyhow. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Uh, if I, if I walk up to somebody and say, you know, hey, excuse me, um, are you waiting for the next teller, you know,
2: Mm -hmm. and ask
1: them to get into the line, that's, that's not conflict. Um, if I, if I go step into line, (laughs) ignoring all of them, uh, and they say, oh, excuse me, I'm, I'm waiting, you know, I, I was next. And I say, oh, by all means, and gesture and, you know, let them slip into line. That's not conflict. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: if, if I get really pissy with them and, approach it in a passive aggressive or literally aggressive way when i bring it up to them or i just get in line and then then they and i get an argument about who is next and whether or not they should have been standing in line you know then it becomes conflict Mm -hmm. then we're strangers in that case but you know there's an emotional stakes to the conversation uh and some status and some face involved that is beyond Mm -hmm. just the question of who is next to be served Mm -hmm. which by the way is always the person in line and if you disagree you <laughs> now, I have some stuff to so add. So
0: many bleeps. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: uh, anyhow, this is that's yeah. lines is a different topic. We'll do that another oh my day. Gosh,
0: too funny. Yeah, well, and so the uh, the tie to some of the work that Kane's talking about um, this comes up in one of the chapters. She's talking about the cultures of places like uh, the Harvard Business School and the ways that in groups of powerful people, um, because being able to voice your opinions is so valued, it's such a social skill in some of these cultures. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes it won't matter if you have the best idea if you are not heard in a loud group right um, so that's when I think of the stakes. there's that word again um, of conflict for in the stakes of an issue like conflict and knowing how you feel about it and how you can cope with, um, and I'm speaking from a a extroverted bias standpoint here, how you can cope with not being comfortable with conflict Mm -hmm. because what happens when you know you have the right answer, Mm -hmm. but no one else around you does. Absolutely.
1: Like I said, I can do it. I have no Mm -hmm. problem doing it if I have to. I just don't like it. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's why I answered true on this one because I, I just like, you know, I, and that's all there is to it. Like, it's not that I won't do it. It's not that mm-hmm. I can't do it. It's not that I'm even bad at it. I'm not always great at thinking on my feet, but you know, mm-hmm. I can do it. I can stand my ground. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I haven't been in a fist fight since I was about 13 years old, but I could probably God. do that if I had to.
0: You were in a fist fight? Oh, my
1: gosh. I got my nose broken. Are you kidding me?
0: What? How do I not know this? <laughs> well, I guess I was like three.
1: That so. will be uh, episode 32 fist fights.
0: Heck yes, I'll be there. <laughs> Listeners, you should be too. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, but I don't like it. I don't like it. That's yeah. That's my, not the, and you okay. know, like you, you make a very good point. Being uncomfortable isn't necessarily something that we should always avoid or that's always bad, but mm-hmm. that's why, mm-hmm. that's why I'm the introvert on the podcast because I said, I don't <laughs> like it.
0: I hear you. Yeah. Um, okay. So item 13 is mm-hmm. I do my best work on my own.
1: Mm-hmm i said uh well what's your what's your guess on this? I should be asking you what your you said true I said true, that's true
0: um, I said true as well, um, yeah, that one wasn't terribly difficult mm-hmm. um yeah
1: and and again, not that there aren't situations where I prefer to work with others or do better with, like this is a better podcast than if I were just sitting here talking alone <laughs> obviously mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah, in general, I'd say yes, broad strokes.
0: Yeah, uh, fourteen is. I tend to think before I speak.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's your guess?
0: I'll uh, say true.
1: Have you listened to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> this is my false.
0: <gasps> that one.
1: This one. Now,
0: interesting.
1: I again, I have to think of this in terms. Like she just says this in the in the quiz as a sort of you know a blanket statement. Thinking about it statistically, there is a lot of thinking I do before I speak. I usually think (laughs) before we record. Uh, (laughs) High stakes or likely to be high conflict situations, I do a lot of mental rehearsal long before it happens. Um, Mm -hmm. I even get a little bit anxious in some of those cases um, when I feel I need to have mental rehearsal ahead of time. But Mm -hmm. I think my mouth opens up a lot and I'm just going. Um, I catch myself (laughs) doing it at work. Um, It is... It is the source of easily 90% of my mansplaining in the world. Um, Uh-oh. You know, I just, I open up and stuff comes out and it is not thought through. So this was my false.
2: Oh, huh.
1: Yeah.
0: Interesting. Um, yeah. And it's one that I, I wonder, I don't know. I, I wonder what other people would think for me um i think it's more fair to say i think out loud easily Mm -hmm. um and because i'm not afraid to think out i'm doing it right now this is so meta (laughs)
2: um
0: (laughs) because i'm not afraid to think out loud and acknowledge it that makes it seem as if i'm not thinking
1: before i do it Mm -hmm. but
0: i also am i'm doing both you're just carrying Um, it
1: on after you start speaking
0: yeah. yeah, I just have so many thoughts. I just can't talk. <laughs> well, and, and it's and thinking think, and speaking. Think,
1: wow, it is an important phrase here for me. I think because I do like to think, um, and <laughs> good I think for that's, you. That's some of why <laughs> I, I don't always think before I speak because I like to think, and I don't particularly care in what medium I do it. Um, mm,
0: yes, that that.
1: You know, yes. I would often prefer to do it alone. Sometimes I don't want to do it alone. And if somebody else is there, then I'm probably going to think with them <laughs> out loud <laughs> on my feet as we go along. Yeah. 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 So Glad we, to be as, here. As we go through the rest, too, you can, you can tell me which one you thought I was going to say false on.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, that's so interesting. Um, item 15. I feel drained after being out and about, even if I've enjoyed myself. Very true. What do you think I said?
1: Um, I would actually, in your case, I would guess true as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that one is one that I don't think I would have been as self-aware about this a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, most definitely I will. And not in a negative way. Um, That's one of the big things, and I know we'll... Uh, we'll probably zoom out to this about, uh, takeaways and impact. Um, but on that one in particular, that self-awareness is something that I've definitely gained from this work is that these things may be true, but that does not make them weaknesses. That does not make Mm them, um, limitations on your life or lifestyle. Um, you know, on that one in particular, um, you know, now I feel sort of defensive of the, uh, of the introverted side of the spectrum. It's like, well, why shouldn't you be? Like, you've just done social yeah. work, in a way, a manner of speaking.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, everybody yeah. needs some amount and some kind of downtime at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just a matter of what do you need and when.
0: For sure. Um,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you want to take us through the end?
1: Yeah, I sure will. Um, number 16, uh, I often let calls go through to voicemail. Um, And and I would would say for the listener wondering about this, I am assuming that this is 100% only talking about situations in which you could actually answer the phone without being rude or endangering people on the road.
0: (laughs) Right, when you have a choice. Mm -hmm. I I said false. Um, uh, There's probably an asterisk for me on this one. Um, Yeah. I don't know, and maybe you'll have something to say about this too. Also, I thought this would be your false.
1: Ah, this is the one you thought would be. You know, and it's actually there's um, this one it is it is kind of closer to a to a fifty fifty split than a lot of them. I didn't put any asterisk or waffling in my in my tea here on my page, but there's no waffles in your tea. There's no waffles in my tea, um, which is which is probably how it should be. Listeners, don't dip waffles in tea. Um, just don't. Mm-hmm. But, uh, (laughs) when I'm at, when I'm at work, when I'm at the office and my office phone rings, if I have the option of picking it up, um, and when I say if I have the option of picking it up, if somebody is in my office or in, at the door of my office talking to me, I do not pick it up. I might look to see who it is out of, you know, sheer reactivity, you know, Mm -hmm. not, not even thinking through what I'm doing. I might look, but I never pick up the phone in favor of whoever is sitting in front of me. Mm -hmm. Um. That's just that I, I find that insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> unless it has to do with what unless I know like this is somebody who's calling about the same thing that you're standing in front of me for or it's somebody that I just know is going to be an emergency because of who it is um, mm-hmm. you know there's I I just you know no I will finish dealing with you and then I'll get back to them on the phone aside mm-hmm. from that though I do always pick up the phone even if mm-hmm. I'm working on something that requires a lot of conversation mm-hmm. uh, excuse me a lot of concentration uh, even if I'm I'm in a groove even if I'm on a deadline if the phone rings I'm going to pick it up at work um, part of the oh, reason for that is because gosh. I don't actually get that many calls. Um, my job has a fairly healthy you know, work, uh, both for email and and phone calls, a healthy culture. Mm-hmm. I don't get a lot of random garbage on that line. But my mobile phone, my iPhone, <laughs> I get in the last twenty four hours. I've gotten two sales calls from H and R Block. Um, oh, I've my. gotten two reminder calls from the college, uh, which are just robots reading into my voicemail. So why would I answer that? Um, And, you know, I just, I get all kinds of junk like that, that I just, I don't need to hear. Um, Hmm. And even if it's a person, you know, a lot of the people who will call me on that (laughs) line, I don't want to talk to you right now. I just, I don't have it in me. (laughs) I will deal with you when I'm good and ready.
0: (laughs) Mm. Okay. So. So to be fair... Um, when I read that question, I was thinking of your work productivity
1: mm-hmm. self. Sure.
0: So I guess I was half correct. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. My work productivity self, I do now, if it were a different job, um, <laughs> I, you know, my job, my previous, uh, long-term job I, I had, I would probably be closer to 50, 50, even just at work. You know, a lot of people I would let go to voicemail first and then figure out what they needed later. Um, I didn't get a ton of phone calls there either, but I mean, the email culture in that place was out of control and mm, the phone sure. culture was better, but not, not great. Hmm. Um, and it was usually, you know, the equivalent of an email, but I didn't need right now. So, right. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. All
1: right. 17. If I had to choose, I'd prefer a weekend with absolutely nothing to do to one with too many things scheduled.
0: I said true, but again, with that wording, why would you choose the other
1: one? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the too many things scheduled. I mean, I could see somebody saying, I like to have a lot to do. I think for everybody, no matter how much you like to have to do, too many things scheduled is too many things scheduled.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, it's it's a strangely worded one. But even just saying Mm -hmm. with a lot of things scheduled, um... I don't know. I, I do like, I like to see a decent, I, I have a certain threshold of scheduledness and, and things going on this that I like. Um, again, one of the other concepts in this book that's big is, is your threshold for stimulation. Like how much has to be going on before you feel alert and awake and alive and connected? Um, and how much more can be going on before you start to feel overloaded, overwhelmed, worn down? Right. Um, and extroverts have a a uh, a higher threshold that they need to cross to feel turned on and alive aroused in psychological terms, um not in sexual terms necessarily <laughs> um and and a much higher threshold for where it gets to be too much um introverts in general, it doesn't take as much to get to that point where they feel alive and turned on, and you know again, I have a low ceiling for how much is too much. But even with mm-hmm. that, I do, I do have a floor to that. Like, I don't like to see, I don't like to open uh, my calendar and look at my week and see nothing there. I start to feel sure. antsy then too.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but yeah, if it's if it's a question of you know, take out the words too much, even a question of I like a weekend that is full of stuff, or I like a weekend that is even just comfortably full of stuff, <laughs> or even go to say I have a, I like a weekend with anything on it. <laughs> Right, versus free. right, And I, And part of it for me is just Western work culture too. Like I like an open weekend because I've usually got stuff going on during the week.
0: hmm Yeah, and that was part of my hedge too was um, if, I, if I'm if i thinking of a traditional weekend, um, yeah, then mm-hmm. definitely.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love to see any given day with nothing on it. Um, <laughs> but again, going into the concepts deeper in the book, I don't like to see many days with nothing on
2: mm-hmm.
0: it. hmm hmm Yeah, and you mentioned... Um, Kane talks about different studies that we're looking at those thresholds of stimulation, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes when she's talking about these things and these different studies, um, uh, it is social and it is about interaction and the energy that those things take. Um, but sometimes it is linked to physiological stuff, like literally how loud can your music be Mm -hmm. before you start working less effectively. Right. Um, lots of super interesting stuff like that. Um, Listeners, if you haven't read it, I think you will find different things that speak to you differently. Um, but she covers a lot of really interesting ground, um, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, number 18, I don't enjoy multitasking.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this was the one I flipped on between last week and this week. Um, I'm trying to think of... I don't asking. Last week I said false. Mm-hmm. Um, and this week I said true. <laughs> sure. Um, I don't know if I can
2: articulate why.
1: I might be able to articulate why. Hmm. Cause I said true. I mean, obviously I said I didn't have any more falses. Um, mm-hmm. but mine again, we're, I'm thinking statistically probabilistic, probabilistically here. Um, I, across my days and my weeks, you know, how much of my time do I spend multitasking and how much of that is deliberate and, and I'm liking that I'm doing it. And actually, a fair amount of time I am. Like, I don't like to mow the lawn without having a podcast on. Um, mm-hmm. At work, a lot of my work, I like to be either listening to a podcast or an audiobook or music if it's something that I can't be, you know, uh, listening to spoken word on. Um, mm-hmm. Like writing, for instance. Uh, so there's a lot of times when I do enjoy at least very limited forms of multitasking. Um, but again, there's an awful lot of times when I don't, there's a lot of my work where I want to be doing only one thing. Like right now I am for the most part doing only one thing. And when I am splitting my attention, you know, when I'm looking at something on a page in front of me, as well as talking or listening right now, it's all in the service of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say for the most part, like I don't, when it's anything that I am made to do um you know there are demands <laughs> being placed on my time like keep an eye on this while you work on this other thing i find that really grating and i don't like it <laughs> so yeah if you said true mm-hmm. i think there are probably um, you find even more places than i do where there are two activities that do go together and you like them that way or you do have context in which you like to have a couple different things going on you can bounce back and forth between
2: mm-hmm. um, yeah and know. i and i think yeah. that's
1: fine frankly
2: Oh, thank you. You approve of my answers.
1: <laughs> I, because I, uh, again, I do it too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think last week I might have been thinking about um, yeah things like what you described, where there is a certain level of stimulation that helps me feel like I'm focused and feel like I'm engaged, mm-hmm. and that might be having music on on the background. Mm-hmm. Um, if not necessarily because I want to actively listen to it, but because it it acts as a as a filter for mm-hmm. everything else, you know when when I have music on, I pay less attention to the cars coming and going outside, right. which is distracting, right? Um, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, cars. is so, cars
1: is a good example yeah. too, though, because I mm-hmm. find increasingly not only i mean i you know we've we've heard the research we know it's not safe to talk on the phone and drive at the same time increasingly i find i don't even enjoy doing that like i don't even want to and it's nothing to do with safety like i just don't feel good doing <laughs> it it puts me on edge to try to do it
0: you're talking about talking while you're driving right Oh yeah, no, no, and I mean like being at home and oh, hearing yeah, no, no, cars no, no, no. outside. No, but yeah, I
1: was reminded by yeah. you mentioning cars. Oh, Go sure, on sure. sure. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. that's an example of somewhere where I don't enjoy it. Like I, I literally, <laughs> it, it puts me on edge. I have less fun in the conversation. I uh, am further from enjoying the drive. I rarely <laughs> enjoy a drive, but <laughs> if I were, then you know, yeah.
0: Sure. Yeah. And then the true, I think, was probably spurred by um, this week, we're sort of getting back into the swing of the uh, semester. Mm -hmm. And so I'm back to the point where if my brain is fried because I'm spending a lot of energy at meetings and during classes, then when I sit down to do work by myself, I really have to focus. I get I'm much more easily distractible and frazzled and whatever. Sure. So that explains that shift, I think. <laughs>
1: yeah. Again, there's that there's that context, like you know, yeah, for yeah. sure. Not stable across all contexts. <laughs> uh, number nineteen. That's my middle name. <laughs> Not stable across all contexts. Mm-hmm. Man, your birth certificate must be a mess.
0: I know. I can't believe you have never seen it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, number <laughs> nineteen. I can concentrate <laughs> easily.
0: <laughs> uh so you put true, I put true. right
2: <laughs>
0: uh i put false um both last week and this week so this one was less swap less waffly maybe more pancakey. Mm. um yeah excuse yeah. me
1: i need to put pancakes on the grocery list here
0: right put it in the right section though oh yeah totally. put it put it in the store where it is grocery
1: store yeah. life hack uh,
0: that's right hashtag grocery stores um the number one priority hashtag.
1: Yeah, so you you can't concentrate um, easily.
0: No, I think that's fair to say. I think um, I'd say I'm fairly distractible. I'm very re- I'm a very reactive person, um, and I mean that in a lot of different ways. If I'm fully engaged in conversation. Um, My facial expression is reactive. I am very conscious of my my body language and how I'm responding to people. Um, But even when I'm by myself, um, I'm very reactive to distraction or thoughts that pop up. Um, So sometimes I have to police that in good ways. You know, like if I think of something I ought to do later, I need to write it down somewhere in my system so that I know that it's there and I can stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes I will just decide to quit what I should be doing and go do that thing (laughs) when, (laughs) when I shouldn't. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I said true on this. I, and I certainly, I mean, I have challenges with concentrating for sure. Um, it's not all of which are even environmental. Like I can't blame everything on interruptions and other people, although, Mm. um, I blame a lot of it on them. Um, But I I say true on this one because I also, by this point, I was trying to think not only in terms of the the questions, but also in in comparison to other people, um, especially for some of these last ones. And I think relative to most people I know, I can concentrate more easily for longer periods of time. Mm. Um, Not on all things. Um, I know a couple people who could concentrate on making a repair to their car for much longer than, you know, where my patients would expire and I'd just take it to a garage. Um, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: But, you know, in general, on random arbitrary topic X, can I concentrate longer than, than the average person that I know? Yeah, I think so.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and in more distracting circumstances, I also, you know, I, I dislike open plan office. I think it's bad for me. I think it's bad for other people. But also just by observation, I am much less interruptible even when I have my earphones off than a lot of the people around me. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to say true on this one.
0: Yeah. No, and something you brought up, um, is one of the parts where I think I sway more to the extroverted side of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. um, in a very self-conscious way. Extrovert
1: spectrum disorder.
0: Yeah. Something like that. Because I am very self-conscious and I do feel that (laughs) it's a weakness that my, persistence and my patience are not very good Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know some of the things kane brings up um definitely show again and again how persistence is highly linked with introversion um yeah so that's one one area where um i definitely do feel weakness on on my part um, yeah. I don't identify <laughs> introverted in that way. And I wish I did. Persistence is a wonderful quality and it's linked with success in so many it, ways. It is.
1: It is. I will say too, um there's a lot of ways in which I fall down on the subject of persistence. Hmm. Um one of them is not, however, I cannot stick with something in in the short term. Like in a given session I can concentrate. Like you wouldn't believe, um, given the right circumstances, mm-hmm. like I can spend 12 hours in a day on a single thing mm-hmm. if it's the right so maybe, thing, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I want to do. But am I persistent <laughs> in my day in and day out? Focus on that. Not always.
0: Mm. So maybe persistent, but not consistent. Uh,
1: Maybe sure, something like sure. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm definitely, as, as far as a, a, you know, even a long sprint goes, I can, I can persist pretty well. I can concentrate. <laughs> <A long sprint. laughs> um, am I going to come back and concentrate on it again tomorrow? I don't know. And that's, I think, more than anything else, a function of, of, you know, I don't always regulate well how many things I have going on that could use my concentration. <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Number
1: 20 in classroom situations, I prefer lectures to seminars.
0: That was a big old false for me. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> hey, what do you mean <laughs>
1: um and can i can I say something on this one um, mm-hmm. i think I think you'll probably have a lot to say, but i wanna i wanna jump in on this and say this one I don't think I put this down as a um I don't think I had any ambivalence about my truth no I did not I definitely said true on this, absolutely true I prefer lectures mm-hmm. to seminars, however mm-hmm. uh I think this one does deserve a bit a- big asterisk- i did not put on it when I was. Taking the quiz. And that is most of my favorite classes I have ever taken on any subject were seminars, not lectures. Oh. And I, I I, perform a very good extrovert dance in a seminar-style class. <laughs> um, I believe it. <laughs> we had a, uh, a particular example that popped to mind just now. Uh, my social psychology class, a sophomore-level class I took several years ago, was – I want to say it was close to 100 people it might just be because I know what room it was in and I had 100 plus person classes in that room it might have actually been much smaller than that but it was it was kind of in a room that was set up for lecture style and it was pretty big for a seminar mm. um at least at the the institution I was at um but it was very particip- like it was sort of in a way it was kind of like um yeah what's the movie where like Ben Stein or somebody's doing history and he's like just basically reading lecture notes in a deadpan and every few words he's like you know, And then in 1877, the Treaty of Blah 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 was signed by anybody, anybody, you know, like that with oh, all the very pauses cooler. for questions. <laughs> we had a more dynamic speaker than that, but like every few words was basically a pause for, for a question, to, for somebody to throw something out, fill in a blank. <sighs> um, mm. And there was also a lot of like, okay, let's stop and talk about what this means now, and um, and in that class, between, between the stop and talk about what, what it means and the fill in the blanks on the, the lecture, uh, me and one other student, I think, easily answered 40% of the questions that hmm. were asked to this 100-person room. Um, mm-hmm. it, it very quickly became something of a joke among everyone there about our competition to see who could answer the most and whether anybody hmm. else was ever going to speak up. Wow! Um, So I can do a seminar (laughs) like nobody's business. Um, But from a standing start, ask me, okay, this history course is offered in two different formats. Which one do you want? I am usually going to say, give me a lecture.
0: Hmm. (laughs) Max, you need to do stuff. (laughs) Solved. There's a lecture. Um, No, and this gets back to my self-awareness about how I think and how I process, um, and for me, you know, even, even in a good, good lecture course where I would be taking notes and trying to listen to the instructor and look at whatever visual materials there were, um, sometimes I would really need to get in a question or two and some back and forth to really process the information, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so if if in a lecture period there wasn't time for everyone to do that, then I would suffer for that. Um, so I definitely think a variety of uh, instructional yeah. methods is good for me. Yeah,
1: definitely. And I, I do think there are subject matter that uh, do benefit from more interaction back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. It particularly and and I am um, I'm not of the mindset that the university should become a trade school. Um, or that we should do away from the liberal arts. I do, however, have a lot of sympathy for the idea that one thing that I wouldn't say it's missing, but one thing that that we need to not forget in higher education, in education in general, is the teaching of how to do things. (laughs) You know, Um, it is very good to know a lot of history. It is also good to be able to talk about history, though, and think about history and argue about history and ask questions of history. Mm -hmm. and. Do history, um, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I, I think there's an off, and you know, there's there are subjects much as much or more than history that benefit from a more interactive approach. Like I, you know, I never had an English class that was a lecture. I don't think that would be a very effective way to learn to write better. I think it could be done. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, you need studies to, have shown that's yeah. not how you learn grammar, for instance. Exactly. Yeah, you, you need don't. to be doing English. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think. I'm telling Mm -hmm. you the professional educator this, but.
0: (laughs) No, be a haberdasher like me, a haberdasher of English. Um, You Uh, know, and
1: similarly, mm -hmm. similarly, uh, mathematics, like, you know, and again, to some extent, yeah, that there's parts of that that can and should be taught in, in a very expository. Here is me, the professor, showing you how it works. But at some point you have to do it, and it's probably best if you do it in a participatory Ugh, I can't talk tonight. A participatory mm-hmm. manner in class, so that you can interact and get help with what you're stuck on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and ask the good questions while you're all there to get the yeah. benefit
0: of that. Yeah. Um, so so <laughs>
1: total scores.
0: Um. So here's. Um. This would be a good bridge to takeaways too. So if I'm counting right, were you seventeen? three
1: correct yes um 85% uh, introverted by Susan Cain's reckoning
2: <laughs>
0: yes um I don't know if you were paying enough attention what do you think mine was
1: uh, I wasn't writing them down I would think that you were you ended up higher than I would have expected you to are you like in the 13 14 range
0: no where are no. you um last week I was nine introvert 11 extrovert uh-huh. today I was split
1: split okay
0: so, today, I was what Susan Kane would call um a true ambivert
1: um <laughs> i did I did notice yeah. um I think the reason I guessed high was I was noticing more trues than I was expecting um at first, and then I kind of came around to the idea that maybe you landed on the on the uh, the extroverted side. Um, wait
0: did were you saying 13 14 extroverted or introverted
1: introverted introvert. i'm sorry i misspoke oh, just now i was thinking oh, I, I I see, as we were I going see. i thought i was i was hearing more truths than i expected and i got it mm-hmm. in my head that I, you were actually going to come out ahead on the introvert side yeah
0: well and i mean this is still a surprise to me because for most of my life including probably after the first time i read this book i was still <laughs> self-identifying um as way more extroverted mm-hmm. um which, again, I might have said this earlier, I wish that I would have written down my answers the first time I took it, if I did even go through and read and, and tabulate every question. <laughs> because I, I wonder what it was a couple years ago. Um, yeah. Or was my self-perception really that off? hmm
1: I mean, it could mm-hmm. be either. Uh, it could be you've changed. It could be you just have more. You know, like you say, you, you are aware of things after and while reading this that... You know, stuff becomes salient. That's a that's an important idea in measurement in general. I think there's there's kind of two problems with this this scale um, in general. And I like it. I think it's fine. You know, it's it's not put forth as a scientific definition. It's just to give if somebody doesn't have an idea to give them an idea of where they fall. So it's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But two problems I have with it. Number one is as, as we mentioned on one question in particular, and I think throughout the whole battery of questions there is kind of a bias where a lot of these a lot of extroverted people are going to say yes just because of the way the question's phrased Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think the fact that we are you know this is this doesn't appear on page one we're not very far into the book but when we hit the quiz we've been at least through a few pages of thinking about introversion and extroversion and being challenged about any negative thoughts we have on introversion and positive ones we have on extroversion. Sure. So I think we are we are primed in taking this quiz in this particular book to skew a little bit more introverted, if for no other reason than because we are aware <laughs> we're thinking about introversion, um, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of being put forth as the positive thing. Um, and that's that's a fairly common social science um, or social psychology uh, research finding. Something against personality psychology. Uh, is is the effect that even even words you're not really aware you're encountering have on your behavior um, Mm -hmm. can be pretty profound. Like on aptitude and intelligence tests, if you ask demographic questions about the respondents, even if they're optional, you should ask them after they take the test, because otherwise Mm -hmm. you can trigger stereotype threat Mm -hmm. um, and change their their level of performance, uh, usually for Mm -hmm. the worse. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's I, I think we all will tend to score a little bit more introverted than the normal listeners. If you took mm-hmm. this at home and you're freaking out because you came out an introvert. Well, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much, um, both because it's a good thing, not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I
0: say, Max, <laughs> and, didn't you read this book?
1: <laughs> and also because uh, it is, you know, it's likely that your answers got skewed a little. Mm
2: hmm
0: hmm yeah that may be a good a good segue though um one of the things was about self-awareness mm. um so this would make sense because maybe we could frame this first half as like um we're going to walk through the quiz talk a lot about ourselves but then second half is more about the book
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah that would, so this would still work so maybe we'll include where i'm headed right now and then see if we can wrap there
1: okay sounds good
0: Yeah, so that might be a good segue to um, one of the personal takeaways, because in in walking through this quiz, of course, we've reflected a lot on how this material applies to us. Um, But definitely one of my takeaways has been that um, I have some different language for how to think of myself. <laughs> Not just with the quiz. Because as you mentioned, the quiz the quiz is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. As much as I hate that phrase, it's sort of a cop-out phrase. It is what it is. Um, it's like, really? <laughs>
1: Wherever you go, there you are.
0: What else would it be? Um...
1: It is what it isn't.
0: <sighs> now we're getting somewhere. Um... <laughs> um, so... So on this quiz, and I do want to keep retaking it at different moments because I am super curious. Um, you know, right now I am scoring in the middle.
1: <laughs> are you, are you, are you introvert curious? Is that your orientation?
0: Oh my god, I am cutting you off, and let's not cut the show off. I am cutting you off. Um, uh, um, so you are in the middle. Yes, um, and I, am the I can I can write with both introversion and extroversion, um, both hands. Um, Yes, I'm an ambivert. Um, whereas for much of my life, I've uh, been told that and seen myself as a more extroverted person. But I'm realizing now, um, you know, one, in some ways, that's probably inaccurate in some realms. Um, and two, that sort of glosses over some distinctions that I found really helpful from Kane's work. Um, so she talks a lot about. Um, sensitivity, for instance, we've Mm -hmm. talked about, uh, different preferences for stimulation, um, in different settings, um, which is related to how sensitive you are to, um, external forces, Mm -hmm. things like, you know, physiological things like noise and your, your physical environment. Um, but also how engaging what you're doing is. So is a loud movie as engaging as, um, a book that is exciting, or something like that. Mm. Um, so for me, the parts of me that uh, do feel like very introverted traits, based on the different things Kane brings up, um, for me, what helps sort of uh, think more deeply about those those traits in myself is the idea of sensitivity. Mm. Um, it's not necessarily that um, I am shy or I prefer solitude to company and things like that but in some cases i'm just so sensitive that i feel overstimulated or overwhelmed in certain situations
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah there's um, a couple of points in the book and i I think our next part will have a little bit more on the subject because i've I've got way too much to say about the sensitivity stuff for today (laughs) um but there's one thing One thing in the book she does in a couple different places, I think, that I think is a useful idea, and I wish one of these models would be more fleshed out, and that's the idea of taking it not only as a a single spectrum from introversion to extroversion, um, but doing it as Mm -hmm. a matrix of at least, you know, putting on a second dimension. Um, She talks at one point about introversion extroversion and shy versus not shy, um, or anxious versus not anxious, which... um, we tend to think of, of introversion and shy as going together, and they tend to go together more often than the other way. But there are plenty of shy extroverts and not shy introverts. Mm-hmm. It is not in, – in Susan Cain's definition and in an awful lot of the research as well, it is, introversion is not best thought of as shyness. Um, it's better thought of as, as you know, being something that interacts with shyness. Um, mm-hmm. Is nothing to do with whether you like people or not, or whether you find uh, social interactions painful or even scary. It's about whether or not you find them. You know, this is this is a phrasing that uh, John Roderick uses a lot. That I actually thought this book spent more time on this distinction. I, I was misremembering this. I realized as I as I read through it, but uh, it's a distinction that I've heard John Roderick make a lot, and I want to figure out where it came from. But it's like whether or not you find other people. Um, and not in a negative way, just as a fact, whether or not you find other people draining or energizing. Um, mm-hmm. If other people no, tend to be, to be mm-hmm. a net benefit to your level of energy, you are more likely an extrovert. If other people tend to be a net drain on your energy, you're more likely an introvert. And again, that's not a negative thing. You're not mm-hmm. saying people wear me down. What you're saying is I use energy to interact with people. You know. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're an introvert, that might be how you recharge. Mm -hmm. You know, I get to the end of a busy work week with a lot of meetings and training and arguments and whatnot. I just want to disappear into a book or a walk or (laughs) an island. Um, Somebody else with that same exact work week, even my same job, even, you know, run this experiment across two parallel universes, somebody who has my job, who is an extrovert, Mm -hmm. they're going to get to their weekend and they're going to want to go party, you know that's it so I think I think that the ideas of sensitivity and shyness and other things as a different another dimension you know making it a four by four measure rather than just you know are you an introvert or extrovert um i I don't know it's it's an important idea and I wish more of the book was about that because I think it's important I think it's it's more descriptive and I think more people would find where they fit um I happen to be married to somebody I'll have to make sure she's okay with me putting this in I would describe Courtney as a um, you know, one of the things in the book, uh, a predictor of introversion and a big component of it is sensitivity to stimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and literally, the sensitivity of your nervous system. But the book also points out again, this is a, one of those two by two matrices there are sensitive and insensitive introverts, and sensitive and insensitive extroverts. I think Courtney is definitely an extrovert and definitely sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a lot more nuanced distinction than saying she's an extrovert or an introvert. Like right. like right. like an uh, like an extrovert, she will tend to gain energy from interacting with other people a lot of the time and wants to a lot. She needs a certain level of stimulation, but like an introvert, she also has a certain ceiling and needs to recharge and retreat sometimes. Mm-hmm. And
0: yeah, and I, I think that's where I'm coming at it too. Me being self aware about my sensitivity tells me more than thinking about the parts of me that can just be labeled introvert
1: mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So uh, how, how do you feel about the label ambivert?
0: Um, it's interesting to me just because it's a shift in my thinking. Like I said, um, hearing other people describe me throughout my life um, as an extrovert, as um, um, a louder leader, um, Than the type of person Kane is is suggesting exists. Um, it's a shift in my thinking, which makes it an interesting label. Um, I don't know. I think it's fitting for now. I, think- I would like to think of um, my my strengths and weaknesses being sort of moderate. You know, I have some in both categories. Sure. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I um. <laughs> Actually, I personally, I think it needs to be there because there are going to be people who do fall in the middle, um, but I, it's a word that strikes me as being, um, in a way that ambidextrous isn't because you really, you can't like claim to be ambidextrous, <laughs> you know, you, you can't say, hey, I'm, you know, I can write as well with my left hand and my right hand and then not do it. If you don't. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's very clear if you've got that or not. Um, but I kind of feel like I, Courtney pointed out an article to me online, um, recently, I'll try to dig it up for show notes about, about the idea of ambiverts. And I kind of feel like that it's a, a term that people will adopt for themselves who are, and we can talk about this more next time, um, introverts who are trying to pass as extroverts because so much of our culture glorifies extroversion and gregariousness, Mm. Um And also extroverts who are noticing all this sudden attention that our our culture and research and business world are paying to introversion and want to say, Well, no, I'm thoughtful too." Mm.
0: Okay, but I'm going to push back and say, mm-hmm. you know, you're the one who's saying we need to more think of this as a spectrum mm-hmm. and not a binary. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I'm not, like, I, <laughs> as I said at the outset of that, like, I'm not saying the term shouldn't be there. There will be people falling in the middle. I'm mm-hmm. also saying, though, I feel like this is That a I'm a fake? No, not that you're a fake, but that there's fakes out there.
0: The general you.
1: <laughs> general you. No, sure, I, think, I think people, I mean, you took, hey, you took a quiz. You know.
0: I took it twice, even. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, you know, how many people take a Cosmo quiz twice? This is science.
0: (laughs) More science than Cosmo. Yes, I will say that.
1: According to science, you are an ambivert. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But... No what I'm saying is not that the idea doesn't exist. I'm not going back to, you know, again my my critique of Myers-Briggs everything is these these dichotomies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um which which you know Jung on whom Myers-Briggs is loosely based would say no it's a spectrum as well. Um mm-hmm. but you know you you don't sure. have like 0.4 I, you know, 0.6 E you you're an I or an E on right. Myers-Briggs. Um I am not saying that we don't need a term in the middle. I'm saying I can see people claiming that they're in the middle because sure. they want to seem cosmopolitan in their psychology. without
0: reading a book and reflecting on right
1: them. or you know yeah. again again they are they are actually introverts who are trying to pass or they are mm-hmm. extroverts who want to seem thoughtful. Um, again, <laughs> you took a quiz. <laughs> you discovered this about yourself. You didn't, thank you. You didn't. Mm-hmm. You didn't go about this and say, well, you know. I don't think I'm an extrovert or I'm an introvert. I think I have the best of both worlds. No, what you did is you, you did some self-examination, you read a book, and you took a quiz. Um, yeah. Which may not rise to science, despite what I just said, but it's still, it's above, you know, somebody reading an article mm-hmm. on the internet and saying, oh, I'm an ambivert.
0: Yeah. No, in sort of in closing, and we'll, we'll talk more about this next time, um... Uh, you know, my journey with this book has definitely been a process. I would not say the things I'm saying today, if not for the last two to three years of, of thinking about this stuff and reflecting on my experiences and these things I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot to be gained here. Yeah,
1: for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, so I guess uh, in closing, um, listeners, if you haven't read the book, you have another week. Uh, we've decided to split this episode into two because it's going to go for three hours otherwise and we don't want to do that Um, either to ourselves or to you Uh, so yeah Um, and if you like uh, listeners one other thing I'll recommend even if you do not actually think you're going to read the book between here and next week um, go to your library and grab a copy and take the quiz or listen back through and and listen as you know if you can stand to do it again And, and do take it and reflect on that before next time um, we'll have more to say
2: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: see you next time yeah well Katie will have more to say I'm an introvert I'm probably going to go do something else by myself oh yeah right you have been listening to Priority once again for complete show notes or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show visit us on the web at priority.fm if you enjoyed the program today please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where well, we are at Priority FM. That's at P R I O R I T Y FM. Thanks again for listening. I said true, that's true I did yeah. say true
2: mm-hmm. I do do All my true.
1: work on my own
2: You said doo-doo I did say doo-doo